You're listening to The Sourced Property Podcast with Stephen Moss and Chris Kirkwood. Hello and welcome to The Sourced Property Podcast. If this is the first one that you've listened to, then please go onto iTunes, go to the previous podcast that we've recorded and give them a listen because there's fantastic value in there. Now, this is the news section and what we're going to talk about this week is Facebook, really? A property podcast talking about Facebook. But actually, Facebook have just announced that they're partnering up with Zoopla. Steve, what's that all about? Yeah, really uh, interesting news today. So Facebook have announced that they're partnering up not just with Zoopla, but another property portal called On The Market. And they're creating a marketplace for initially it's going to be rental properties. And then they're looking to introduce sales properties as well. So um, it was something they talked about a couple of years ago uh, in terms of introducing properties to their, what, 800 million visitors per month, which is phenomenal. But yeah, they've actually finally done it and announced it and launched, which is great. So a couple of years ago, Facebook announced the Marketplace section. That was sort of taken over from eBay, things like that, right? Yeah. So that attracts more people into looking at Facebook. Now they're bringing in the property people. This is going to be a separate Marketplace, I would imagine, right? They're not going to – it's called Marketplace like the other one, but they're not going to intermingle the two. I wouldn't have thought this is going to be – a whole new avenue for people to get into Facebook. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, they've only released images of what it's going to look like, roughly, potentially. I'm sure they're still making changes and tweaks, but it is its own marketplace. It's very much like a search engine in terms of the image, brief description. There's a map at the top as well that you can identify and select locations that you want to review properties that are available to let as well. So very much like Zoopla. It sounds like it's going to have the same functionality as Zoopla. It is, yeah. So what do you think each one of those companies is going to get out of this alliance? Traffic. That's it. Let's be honest. That's all Zoopla care about is the traffic. Because once they've got the traffic coming to their site, then they've got the upsell functionality of U-Switch and all the other brands that they work on. So it's a really good move. So that's traffic for Zoopla. Facebook, they have 40 million people that visit Facebook just from the UK every single month. Now, what's the population of the UK? Let's put producer M on the spot. Could you Google what uh, population of the UK is? 65 million. Something like that. I was going to say something like that. Of course you were, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take all your best ideas. So 40 million people is a, is a really big percentage of the UK population. 65.6. Thank you very much. <laughs> so they don't need the traffic, right? All right, they, they, can make, they can make a small increase in traffic, but they don't need the traffic. Now, what I think Facebook are going to get out of this is the longevity of people staying on their site. In the long run, I see Facebook as trying to be the internet. So you don't go on the internet to look for stuff. You go into Facebook to look for stuff. So initially, they did that with Marketplace. They, they're trying to take traffic away from eBay. And now they're going to do it with the property industry. I, I agree, Chris, yeah. You know, the moves they're making, there's, there's discussions about them going into other sectors as well. There's another angle that they could work on this one as well, is becoming an aggregator. So there are companies that are very successful and very profitable companies. Matula are one of the biggest in the world, where they take listings from the likes of Zoopla, they promote them, and what they do is they feed that person back to uh, the Zoopla website. And for every person they feed back, they get X amount pence typically. But the, you know, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of clicks per month. So potentially Facebook are looking at this being you know, a huge revenue stream utilizing the data they have on their platform. Yes, people will spend longer on their platform searching through, but then when somebody's actually interested in a property and clicks on it, they're directed through to the relevant portal and they charge the portal for that click. 
And that's great news for Zoopla's customers, for Zoopla, for the estate agents that advertise on Zoopla. Now, I know that Zoopla is slightly less expensive than Rightmove at the moment. Maybe that's going to change then if they're going to be paying Facebook for all of the traffic that Facebook's going to generate. But great news for the estate agents that are, that are registered with Zoopla. And actually, Rightmove made an announcement just after uh, Facebook and Zoopla said this. Do you know what the Rightmove announcement was? They're not doing it. Yeah. They're not going ahead. Why, why do you think that is? Rightmove are number one in the market, right, yeah. in the UK. And when you get to number one in the market, I think what can happen is you can get a little bit fearful of a lot of big change. Whereas number two in the market has always got somewhere to some something to aim for. They know they're not number one, so they're going to try different things. And I think it's purely that. I think Rightmove are being much more conservative, and they don't have their eye on the same sort of growth that Zoopla has. I think, I think as well you've got to consider the fact that Rightmove are, although we talk about Rightmove and Zoopla in the same sort of area, Rightmove are double the size in terms of value. They've also got a lot more properties available on their site. Now, it as being number one and having all these properties on their site and so much direct traffic, why would they then release these extra properties to another platform, generating traffic to that platform, not to themselves directly? So they're almost watering down their brand by sending these properties out to other aggregators. They, they don't use aggregators the way that Zoopla do and other property platforms. They retain all the properties in-house. It's understandable why they're doing it. And it's actually quite a clever move. It's also a bold move, let's be honest, because most companies can look at Facebook and think, well, you know, as you said, 40 million visits per month, that's additional traffic we can get. Whereas right we have said, no, you know, we're not putting these extra properties on. So Facebook can't advertise they've got whole market because right move still control that. So interesting stuff. Keep an eye on this part of the market. We talked about Zoopla in week number one. Big things happening at Zoopla. Uh, for anyone that wants to catch me out, I, I got that figure wrong before. That was from 2016. <laughs> it was 66.5 actually. So 66.5 almost, almost, Steve, almost. I hope you enjoyed the news. We're now on to the main section of the podcast. And what we're talking about this week is peer-to-peer. Yes. Now, the reason that we're talking about this is... I see a lot of people who have five or 10 grand that they want to invest. They've looked at the property market, they think that's the right place to invest it because they know it's got massive potential. But when they can't find any no money down deals like we talked about in episode one, and they work out that they haven't got enough money for a standard deposit or a flip, they don't really know where to go. So peer to peer has appeared since 2005 and it has lent, repaid and paid interest in the billions. It's become a very serious contender as a strategy to make money from property. But a lot of people still don't know about it. So the first question, and I know this is your specialist subject, you probably didn't sleep last night because you were so excited that we were going to talk talk about (laughs) peer-to-peer. And also, you've probably noticed on previous podcasts that we'll talk about a different subject, but Steve will crowbar in some kind of reference to -to peer-to-peer. So go on, this is your big moment. What's peer-to-peer? I've got nothing else to add, to be honest. You've probably... (laughs) Well, firstly, I, you know, I think what you said in terms of having an interest in property, it's not just for property investors, it's for anybody. You know, Anybody can be involved in peer-to-peer and it's about collating uh, and grouping people's money together, uh, typically through a platform that's then lent to a borrower that utilizes the money in different ways. And when we're talking about it, we're talking about property backs, but there are other areas. There are businesses um, and there are charities so there's charity business and property they're the main three areas known and how do you think property compares to business in peer-to-peer so a lot of people come together so let's say let's break it down even further actually 
So a business needs £10,000 in order to start up or grow. Let's just use that as, a, as, a, as the metric to start off with. So they list themselves, they list their offering on a peer-to-peer platform, and then what? Yeah, so a business will list onto the, the platform and they'll basically ask typically for X amount, as you said, £10,000 £10, over a term. And you're generating, in theory, a loan for the business. And that's what peer-to-peer is, it's, it's debt. A lot of people get confused with peer-to-peer and crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is about equity. So using the example you said, you would put £10,000 into that business and you would get a percentage of the business. That's, that's the crowdfunding side. With the peer-to-peer, the £10,000 is giving you a debt. So you know that that company owes you £10,000 and they're going to pay that back over a certain time with a certain return. So me as a customer might go onto that peer-to-peer platform, have a look at it, think I like the offering of that business. I might do a bit of due diligence on the business just to make sure that they are, you know, achieved all the things that they said they're going to achieve, they have achieved. And I think, well, I've got £1,000. I'm going to put it into that business. So I'll put that £1,000 into the platform and I'll get a guaranteed return of whatever the offer is from the from the business that's how it works right yep okay so how can somebody get started with peer-to-peer lending in terms of investing then the best thing to do first of all is work out what type of investments they want to invest in you know is it property is it charity is it business or is it a mix you know be the beauty of peer-to-peer is you can be diverse you know if you've got ten thousand pound you might put three thousand pound into one sector three thousand pound into another and the, the £4,000 into another sector. And what you're doing is you're spreading that risk, and that's one of the best benefits of peer-to-peer lending. So what are the main risks involved? We'll take all three of them. What's the risk with investing in a charity in comparison to the risk of investing with a business in comparison to the risk of investing in a property? The risk is you lose your money. You know that, that is the reality, that businesses, charities, potentially can't repay that money. You know The business is, is the most obvious one. If a business isn't successful and there are you know there's a high percentage of businesses that aren't then you're not going to get that money repaid and potentially you've lost it now that there are ways that they reduce that risk by asking for personal guarantees of directors or people involved in the business and business investment is very successful you only have to look at this week uh, funding circle announced that it's going on the, the stock market um, at a valuation of two billion pound wow yeah two billion fantastic they've been going for eight years so, wow, that's, that's incredible growth. We're involved in property, so we might be a little bit biased about this. Absolutely. But charities and business don't have as much tangible assets as a property would, right? Because if you're gonna lend money to a business, the assets that they have might not cover the loan that they're asking for. Whereas if you're, if you're lending on a property, you've always got the property as the security for that loan. So would you say that peer-to-peer in property is less of a risk with business and charities? Yeah, potentially. Again, it comes down to with a business, typically if they're a new business, they'll ask for a guarantee. But predominantly in the way that I view it, and as you said, Chris, quite rightly, we are biased, but we see property as being more secure because it's asset backed. So you're putting your funds into something where there's an actual asset, typically with equity there. So should the the asset have to be sold, there's enough money to repay you uh, and anybody else that's lent on that that project. I see. So as well another risk could be you've lent money to somebody they've done much better than they were expecting you're expecting to get your return on that loan for 12 months but they pay you back early so you're not going to make as much in that year as you thought you were going to make i guess there's a difference in property business and charities in this as well because 
the property site is probably more likely to have another listing on there that is going to suit your criteria. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you know, let's be honest, if you get paid back early, okay, you've not reached the full term and had all of the funds, but during the time that that, that project's been operational, and, and usually there's a minimum term, usually it's three months, maybe six months, but the benefit is you've been getting that higher return than what you would with banks or with the savings or anything else where you have money in savings. So we go back to the £10,000. £10,000 sat in your savings account is going to get you less than 1% return per annum. If that's sat in a scheme, uh, a peer-to-peer -peer platform for three months and the return is 10% per annum, even for those three months you've made a lot more money and you've utilised making your money work, which is one of the key things for peer-to-peer. -peer. Although you might get it back earlier, you can then look at putting other projects and again, uh, you've had some return on it. And exactly, that's just about changing the way that you think about that situation, right? Because we like to think differently. And so instead of looking at that as a negative, you think, I've had a good experience from this. I've had the return that I was expecting. Let's go and find another one. The next thing that you find to invest your money in what might last for another 12 months, or right, it might only get you to month 10, but in the two projects put together, you've done very well out of that, out of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the big benefits of peer-to-peer -peer, as you said, you've done really well because you've generated a much higher return. With peer-to-peer, -peer, you're removing the banks. And by removing the banks and lending directly to a borrower, you're benefiting from the returns that typically the banks take. And that's the key thing is that, you know, you as an investor have the opportunity then to make a much better return. So now let's look at another risk, which the banks can mitigate against because they've been trading for us such a long time. So they have trust. There's no peer-to-peer lending company that existed before 2005 and so peer-to-peer -peer companies don't have that longevity so people are obviously going to think well they haven't been around for very long and therefore the chances of them going bust worries me yep how can you mitigate against that well i think the first thing you've got to look at is that word that you've just used trust and banks you know how many people trust their bank come on let's be honest you know i used to trust northern rock <laughs> it didn't get very far, did it? Not you know, really. If you talk to people about banks, they're starting to become in the same category as uh, estate agents, and it's all downhill from there. Let's be honest. So, you know, you're absolutely right. And again, it's not it's not so much the fact that the peer to peer idea has only been around since 2005, or the platforms have only been around since 2005. It's the again, it's looking at de-risking the situation. So, if you're going to lend into a peer to peer situation and, and a loan then look at the, the what they've done to protect you. So is, is it asset backed? Is there a property there? Because that will protect you. Or is there a director that's put a personal guarantee on? They've had a credit check. They've got income. They've got savings. They've got assets themselves. You know, looking at how secure that is, not so much just the platform. Yeah, the platform's important, but you know, I wouldn't let it stop me investing just because this, this concept of the platform started in 2005. So what can people look for to see that their peer-to-peer -peer company that they're looking at are more worthy of their money, they're uh, doing things the correct way and they're, and they're regulated. Where can they look for that? Yeah, the, the first big one is obviously the FCA. So peer-to-peer -peer is regulated by the FCA and you know by looking at platforms, they'll, they'll display an FCA number. You can go onto the FCA website and check that number out as well to make sure they're regulated, it's the correct company. And that straight away should give you comfort, the fact that if the FCA are willing to regulate them and willing to give them a number, then therefore they're doing, they have the correct procedures in place and they're doing it correctly. So people are going to make a, make a return on uh, the loan that they, they're part of. So how does that stand with tax? Yeah, they, they will have to pay tax on their, the interest that they generate, basically. So that is something, and it all depends on the situation of the lender, of the actual investor, you know, what tax rate they pay or how they've invested that money. 
there are different ways you can invest in peer-to-peer -peer. so one of the ways that's growing very popular at the moment is ISAs so you can actually benefit by having an ISA in a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform which reduces the tax uh, and creates tax-free money but still gives you that return and that interest on the money you put So that's invest. basically a stocks and shares ISA all the money that they put into the peer-to-peer -peer platform would be within that ISA and therefore the, the interest that they get back wouldn't be taxable because it's within the ISA. Within the ISA, yeah. There's no way that I'm going to get away with talking about this without giving you a section where you can say anything that you want to about peer-to-peer. -peer. And hopefully this means for other podcasts that are going to come in the future that you don't mention peer-to-peer -peer quite so much. And that's actually the secret reason that we've done this episode I was going to say, I did not sign anything to say that that's <laughs> part of this. No, for me, peer-to-peer, -peer, I find it really exciting. I love the fact that property and technology working together, helping investors get a better return, also helping other investors, as in the borrowers, actually facilitate more projects you know and, and the whole thing is a great cycle as long as it's managed properly as long as the procedures are in place and and that's the key thing is making sure that everybody within the organization knows what's expected and is on top of the actual project so and keeping the investors informed that that's really cool for me and it makes making money from money so much more accessible because as you say you're going to get less than one percent if you've got your money in a bank so there's more things that you can do with your money which it's not going to take a massive amount of time and i guess thinking about it this is probably the the most hands-free leveraged way you're going to say passive then weren't you i was going to say passive yeah, yeah. Should have. i know you don't like that word well, everyone talks about passive income but it doesn't exist even this isn't passive income because you've still got to put your money into the peer-to-peer -peer platform so you've still got to do something so what what do you expect as passive literally you think about it and it happens is that your yeah, future absolutely, yeah yeah that's probably to be truly passive i think it has to be yeah, if you've yeah. got to do anything and in this you've got to uh, you'll then get your money back after 12 months and then you've got to look for another thing to do it's not passive income you, it's very very low input well, income there are situations where you can do auto invest so auto invest is literally a direct debit set up to a peer-to-peer -peer lender so you can set that let's say 200 pound a month as an example that goes straight into the peer-to-peer -peer and that's automatically put into investments for you so there are ways that it can become passive but it has to have the setup at the beginning you're the big big benefit talking about the returns and making your money work for you is you know if you're sat there and you've got savings in your account right now and you've got a plan and a goal and we talk about plans and goals and where we want to be in five years ten years and when we want to retire by utilizing the money sat in your account and making it work for you you're reducing the time it's going to take to hit your goals because you, you're generating it and it's less hours you have to work it's you know there's so many benefits that you can get by utilizing things like this can you set up that direct debit for me? Because, you know, I don't want to do that because it's not truly passive if I've got to do that. I've already got one coming from your account to my account anyway, so <laughs> that's what I paid for this shirt. Is that... I th Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I've got the receipt. I did not choose well. <laughs> okay, so I guess if you're going to build up a relationship with a company that is going to invest for you, you need to build up quite a lot of trust with that company, right? You need to make sure that they're, they're only sourcing... Let's take property as the example. They're only sourcing properties that work that are gonna go through, or they're only looking at businesses that are going to exist in another five years time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the auto invest is for more experienced investors. It's for people that have utilized that, that sort of platform. It's not for something to start up and just let it run. I would suggest, look, try a couple of projects with them, make sure you go through the whole cycle of being repaid the interest and also being repaid the lump sum at the end of the term. And then once you're comfortable and happy with it, then look to start introducing things like your ICES, your auto invest and different tools and functions like that. But again, I guess I guess that in property, you've got that asset that is back in the loan. So you've got more security than you have in, in other options. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the property there. So it's a big security benefit. 
one of the things that, that we do differently, which which I think we were quite conscious of when we started, is a lot of platforms allow borrowers to bring property and opportunities to them, and they therefore screen them and then put them onto the platform. We're quite unique in the fact that we only work with properties in our network, so everybody in our network is trained to a certain standard. They're all looking for the same returns. You know, they understand what our investors are looking for. They also operate under compliant rules. So it's really important that we're not just sort of taking in any development, any opportunity. We've kind of gone right the way down the line and started at the very beginning. So right, how can we get this right? And then work the due diligence back from there. So you actually have a peer-to-peer platform? We do have, yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I mentioned it, sorry. So uh, we do have this little platform, yes. <laughs> I thought it was just a fetish of yours, but clearly there's a reason why all you talk about is peer-to-peer. When I do mention the wife, I am talking about the platform, so. (laughs) I see. I really hope that you've got some value out of that. I hope it helps you understand peer-to-peer, but mainly I really hope it stops Steve talking about peer-to-peer when we should be talking about other things. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the main part of the podcast. Now, it won't surprise you to know that Steve has produced a video about peer-to-peer. It's an animated video, so thankfully you don't have to look at his face. But if you head to our website, which is www.sourced.co, and go to the Learn section, there's a video on there that you can watch to remind yourself what peer-to-peer is and how it could benefit you. We've also got something else coming up, which is a white paper on peer-to-peer. It's not on the website just yet, but if you do want a copy of it, we can send it over. So email us at podcasts at source.co and I'll send that over to you. What's a white paper exactly? I don't understand. (laughs) So a white paper is a kind of like a report slash document on a particular issue in your industry. So obviously we're in the property industry and peer-to-peer is a big thing for us. So we've created this white paper which explains what peer-to-peer is, explains kind of like the history of peer-to-peer, um, what the risks are, what the returns are, things like that. And it's, it's just quite an open piece really. It's quite a good read. So because the video on our website is more of an overview, the white paper sounds like it's going to go into a bit more detail. Yeah, a lot more detail. So if you're into detail, I'd recommend it. And it should also be on the website pretty soon. So if it's not, again, just email me and I'll send it over to you. Great, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Visit sourced.co and invest in off-market properties.